Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we got some rumors to talk about. We're less than a week away from Hell in a Cell. They found the Bulldog Kid. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting my own show on the network. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Happy Monday. Good to be back on a Monday. I told you guys. I'm always here, man. Content Initiative 2020 for Not Sam continues with uh, Not Sam. That felt a little more abrupt, the end of that uh, theme just now. It felt a little more abrupt than usual. But maybe I have sensitive ears. Regardless, welcome to the show. Welcome to, what is this? 313, everybody in the 313. Put your mother effing hands up and follow me, right? Welcome to 313. Welcome to Not Sam 313. Um, Okay, so there's a lot to talk about today, of course. Uh, but I guess, I mean, for look, all right. I'm sure a lot of you have questions about the Not Sam Wrestling show that's coming to the WWE Network. Not Sam Wrestling debuts on the WWE Network this Thursday, Thursday morning, coming to the free version of the WWE Network, Not Sam Wrestling, 10 a.m. Eastern this Thursday. And then, of course, it'll be available on demand. I mean, I would imagine. I'm uh, like uh, 99% sure. I don't know why it wouldn't be, but yes, not Sam Wrestling uh, heads to the WWE Network. As I've said uh, on my radio show on SiriusXM, and as I said on social media, it's not just the video version of this show. So it's not like today's show, the video will appear on the WWE Network on Thursday. I mean, if I had any brain in my head whatsoever, I probably would have just tried to make that deal so I wouldn't have to make more content. I would just take this and throw it up there. But that's not the way it's happening. That's not the way it's working. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited about it. Not Sam Wrestling is going to be part podcast, part variety show, part interview show, part all of that. It's basically going to be all of the elements that I enjoy doing here on the Not Sam Wrestling podcast, as well as some things that I would just like to see on a fan-created show on the WWE Network, all brought in in a, in a beautiful cornucopia to one show where we'll be able to see it all. I am going to try to have a guest on every week just to just to keep it going, but I'm also going to have monologues every week. Like last week's mon- random, out of nowhere, just thought of it as I'm recording the podcast monologue on how great Yokozuna was in 1993. That's the type of thing that every episode of Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network is going to have. They'll all uh, come from the Not Sam studio here, and they're all being produced by Not Sam. I am giving the finished show to WWE. WWE is not installing cameras in the house. WWE is not sending producers to the house. 
WWE is not doing anything other than saying, hey, Sam, we like what you do. Would you be interested in producing a show for us? And I go, yup. And then they're like, all right, get with Hot Dog and then let us know when the show's done. And that's it. That's the relationship. So I'm super excited, of course. You know, some people have been asking, what well, does this mean? You're going to get bigger guests. Are you going to get bigger guests on the Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network show? First of all, bigger than what? I've interviewed every guest you could possibly imagine on Not Sam Wrestling. I don't know what wrestling. Okay, let's who's been on Not Sam Wrestling? Uh, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, The Undertaker, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan. I don't know how much more star power you think I'm going to be able to get by going over to the WWE Network. But honestly, there's going to be great guests on that show. But the same way I don't think this show has ever been, and it certainly isn't now, about making sure that we get the best guest possible. Not Sam Wrestling is not going to be about getting the biggest A-lister possible. It's going to be about getting people that I like on the show. The, the people that I like to talk to are going to be the ones that are on Not Sam Wrestling. And it'll relate, of course. It's going to be the geekiest, most inside wrestling show that you've ever seen on the WWE Network. But it's going to be wrestlers and wrestling fans that I like talking to about wrestling. The only times I will have conversations on Not Sam Wrestling that are not completely centered around sports entertainment, it'll be if I have a wrestler on. I will talk to wrestlers about things besides wrestling. Other than that, we're only talking wrestling on Not Sam Wrestling. That's why it's called it. I mean, look, I'm bringing a show to the WWE Network with the word wrestling in the title. If that doesn't tell you that I'm producing this on my own, I don't know what will. But I'm very excited for you guys to all see the show. There's no reason for you not to. Even if there's any of you left that don't have a WWE Network subscription, with if you, which if you don't, you're out of your mind, it's on the free version. So you'll be able to watch it on the free version uh, this Thursday and every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern um, for an hour. It'll be an hour-long show. So I'm super excited about uh, getting to share uh, that with you. I was so excited to finally let the announcement be made public um, uh, last week. You know, it's something that I've been sitting on at first. At first, it's easy to keep an announcement like that quiet because at first, you don't think it's ever going to happen. At first, you think, okay, they're promising that this will happen. Okay, like this is an idea. But until it's official official, you kind of don't believe that it's really going to happen. Um so when it's like, no, it's time to make the announcement and, you know, we're going to add you to the schedule. And but now it's like, OK, I guess if you can't step back from this, then I guess it is real. So it is indeed real and it is indeed spectacular. I know uh, the Swerve City podcast by Isaiah Swerve Scott, somebody that, you know, I'm a tremendous fan of. I have talked about many times here on the podcast. Uh, he's also joining the WWE Network. I'm excited about that. Um, I think there will be some other new programming added, um, but I'll let people make their own announcements. Uh, I know that the WWE made the announcement about the uh, the 30 Days of the Dead Man that uh, Undertaker is getting November to himself on the WWE Network, which I'm super excited about. And you better believe that as we approach Survivor Series, there's going to be, I mean, there'll be a full Undertaker, not Sam Wrestling special on the WWE Network. I mean, I'll probably sprinkle quite a bit of Undertaker into quite a bit 
of the episodes that we do for the WWE Network. Um, and I would say that that I would just have to make sure that I get approval for that, but I'm the only one approving it right now. You know, Hot Dog does what I tell him, and so that would be the whole chain of command for Nazi Sam Wrestling. Um, so, super pumped, and uh, it'll be a good time. I will say this. Whether you like it or don't like it, there's never been anything on the WWE Network like Not Sam Wrestling before. We are, as I've done before, as I've done on the kickoff shows, as I've done with a lot of the stuff I do with wrestling, new ground. We are we are creating new ground, you know? I mean, I came around at a time where it wasn't like every time you turned around, somebody had a wrestling interview YouTube channel. You know, that was something myself and 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 Peter Rosenberg were doing uh pretty far before other people uh had figured out the game. So now it's time to change the game up again and bring Not Sam Wrestling to the WWE network and hopefully create some wrestling fan centered content that wrestling fans will enjoy. It, it the premise of the show is just me geeking out about wrestling in whatever, however many different ways I could possibly think of. And I have this whole notebook, by the way, full of different ideas of how I'm going to geek out about wrestling. So I'm super excited about that. I'll tell you, it's already gotten complicated because I just tell you, you'll see it when it airs on Thursday. But we were just finishing show one that's going to air this week. And, you know, organically, as I'm putting the show together, uh, a conversation about SummerSlam 92 enters into my head. Um, and I start thinking about the SummerSlam 92 kid who at the beginning of the show, you know, at the beginning of SummerSlam 92, they're doing the whole intro and they're going to person to person. And I think uh, the British Bulldog's going to win. You know, British Bulldog's super over in England at the time. And they get to this kid and he goes, the British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants to or not. And I've been obsessed because I watched SummerSlam 92 so many times. But I've been obsessed with that kid forever. And I know other people on the internet have been too. And I thought I was going to use my platform on the WWE Network to try to get that kid to come out from whatever rock he was under and talk to me and 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 tell the story and figure out if he knew that the internet was uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs about him. However, yesterday, at the time of this podcast, Sunday, I woke up to the mind-blowing reality that not only had British Bulldog is going to win, whether he wants to or not, not only had that kid been found, but he was a she. It was a it was a girl at the time who's now a woman, happily married woman named Amy, living over in the UK. Who I don't know if uh, if she knew all this was going on or not, but I know the whole internet is buzzing about it. I'm buzzing about it because this is, I mean, when you think about it, there's not that many wrestling mysteries left you know when you were a kid growing up and this may end up being a topic on not sam wrestling on the network but when you were a kid growing up you had to piece stuff together like there wasn't an internet to to answer everything there certainly wasn't youtube changed everything because on youtube 
and on social media in general, stuff gets passed around, right? Social media changed everything. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, IG, TikTok, Tout, changed everything. Now it's really tough to be in the dark. Now it's really tough to not know when the internet is talking about you because you're bound to have some kind of account to something or somebody you know well has some kind of account to something and somebody slides in a DM or an app mention or you just stumble upon something. I know that person, you hit them up and boom, now you know. By the same token, so, so stuff gets discovered that way and people's ability to explain themselves is so much easier to do. You can get the answers to questions and people can answer those questions for you so much more easily than ever before. But back, I mean, in the early 90s and before, even in the mid 90s, even in the late 90s, when we had the internet, but, you know, message boards were really the only way to communicate with each other in a social media way. I mean, social media didn't really blow up until Facebook started and Facebook didn't start until like, what, 2004, 2005? And even then, it wasn't like it was ever, I mean, I guess it blew up pretty quick, but everything pre-2000s, you just didn't have that ability to answer those questions. But really in the 90s, I mean, I remember now anybody who's like a serious wrestling geek knows who superfan Vladimir is. Vlad the superfan who was at every show you know, I mean, I think uh, I think he was going to shows with like Mike Johnson from PW Insider, who wasn't Mike Johnson from PW Insider at the time, but I think Mike Johnson's connected to it. And uh, Front Row, I want to say Front Row Tony, but I don't want to be disrespectful to Mr. Front Row. Um, not WWE Front Row, who's in our uh, Discord room on our Patreon, but a different Front Row, a guy who was in the Front Row to every WWE show for a period of time. But Vladimir the Superfan uh, was one, for instance, that you would have all kinds of ideas about growing up. I remember trying to figure out because he just had such a unique look. He always had this super enthusiastic smile on his face, always had his glasses on, always leaning over that that railing, always in the front row, always had a tank top on, and had just just amazing vascularity, had these amazing muscles. He wasn't like this big jacked up dude. He was just lean as hell. But you'd see him and he's just he's just all muscle and he's like trying to interact with the wrestlers and everything. He had his purple Macho King tank top or he had his Hot Rod t-shirt on or all kinds of stuff. Hulk, his Hulkamania t-shirt. He just loved it. He was so enthusiastic. Now, it's easy to figure out. Now you find out this is just a super fan who had a couple of buddies that were also super fans and would just go and that's what they did with their money. They would spend their money on getting those front row tickets to every show they could possibly get to. They would know exactly what seat number to ask for. They would go to the venues at the right times. They were the ones that during intermission of one show were lining up to buy tickets to the next show. They just figured it out. They had a system. Same way, you know, nowadays, sneakerheads have a system of figuring out how to get the best sneakers every time. The same way all collectors do. The ticket going to shows was their collection. But back then, you didn't know. You didn't have the answer. So you would start to make it up or you would you would hear rumors or you and your buddies would talk about it. And and you'd be like, oh, I like I, I remember knowing, I was convinced that Vladimir the Superfan was Vince McMahon's personal trainer because that's also when you were like, you know, 
You know the commentator, Vince McMahon. You know he's actually the owner, right? And you're like, no. And they're like, yep, he's the owner. He's the owner. And he pays everybody a million dollars. Really? Yep. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. That's why they're all respectful to him when he's interviewing him. Oh, wow. What about Captain Lou? Captain Lou's a different story. Captain Lou's legit crazy, man. Oh, he is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My buddy knows his uncle. Oh, really? That's the way the world was back then. You just make it up. So for the longest, I was living in the reality because nobody had given me an explanation that was more feasible. The Vladimir the Superfan was Vince McMahon's personal trainer. He is Vince McMahon's personal trainer, and that's why he goes to every show. But he's also a giant WWE fan. I mean, think about it. If you're Vince McMahon's personal trainer, but you're also a huge WWE fan, aren't you going to be like, bro, I'll personal train you. I'll go everywhere with you. I'll make sure you're in tip-top shape. May I get a front-row ticket to every show? Vince is the guy that could pull that off. You go, yeah, of course you can. You keep me trained. You keep me looking fit. All right. All right. You can have a front row seat. And then you just flip out every show you go to. And you go, well, Sam, wouldn't he like know the guys? I mean, if he's going to every show as Vince's personal trainer and Vince has a personal trainer that actually follows him to every show, wouldn't he be able to go backstage and like know the guys? And like, why would he be freaking out so much? Because he's a fan, man. Because he's a fan. He's getting lost in the story. To I don't know. It's just the only thing that makes sense to me. I didn't realize he's just a guy that gets tickets. You know, the only thing we have left is that guy with the long hair with the woman who used to be in the front row of like every show. That guy, people would have rumors about him, but that's like the one, like every super fan now has like an influencer social media account or they're trying to get like bookings or, or, you know, they got a gimmick. Oh, they all have gimmicks. Frank the Clown. Meat Moop guy, Brock Lesnar guy, uh, the girl who used to show, I don't know if she still does it. She used to show up uh, with very <laughs> vulgar sexual signs. Um, everybody, everybody's got a gimmick, which is fine. I mean, that's the world we live in because you can create your social media account. You can create your identity. But I love the people that are just in it for the love of the game. Like, I love that the long haired typo negative guy, not, I think typo negative, no, Howard Stern. Rob Zombie guy was the ECW guy. He would sit next to Straw Hat guy. I feel like the guy who is going to WWE shows before uh, the pandemic, I would call him typo negative guy. I heard the lady that he was with was his mom. I don't know. Maybe that's the last one. Maybe that's the last one because I have a lot of questions about him. Although maybe you guys know. You can hit me up if you do. I would love to talk to him. I got a lot of questions about him. But Vladimir's been answered. Tom McGee for a while was that legendary thing. But, you know, we answered that. WWE did a documentary. I was on it. I got heat from members of the wrestling media for being on it. They might have been a little jealous, but so be it. I'm sure the same people who were mad that I was on the Tom McGee show are probably not over the moon that Not Sam Wrestling is the latest entity to come to the WWE network. But that's neither here nor there. That's not up to me. But British Bulldog Kid was on that list. British Bulldog Kid uh, was one of the last of the Mohicans. British Bulldog Kid was one of the last that we just didn't know about. And now 
I mean, we already know so much more now. Just the fact that it's a girl, not a boy, is it makes me rethink everything. You know, just you just see this like adult woman who's got a life and a husband and a smile and she's happy and you're just like it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm sure that uh, uh, my my UK pals over at the gorilla position are losing their minds. I think that's why. I think this means might mean more to the Brits than it does to the Americans. Because keep in mind, when SummerSlam 92, the reason I, w I went to SummerSlam 92 because I was living in England at the time. So I think I feel a similar closeness to this that a lot of the Brits do. Because I was looking at like, like the UK folks, like Drew McIntyre was losing his mind. WWE on BT Sports account was losing their mind. Like the British people know what a big deal this is. So any of my UK, UK people out there, that are listening, I'm on board with you, and I'm going to try to expose to any American fans that aren't already aware of what a big deal this is, what a big deal this is. Because it's important, man. It's very, very important. Um, So that's big news, and that is something that I'll have to address on the network show uh, on Thursday, and you'll see how that pans out. Uh, but, you know, I, I, actually, speaking of social media and stuff that was blowing up, Lana cut a promo on Twitter that I'm going to play a little bit of. You think I don't deserve this shot? You think I'm not worth it? I'm not enough. I'm not strong. I'm not, I'm not brilliant. I'm not pretty enough. Not enough. That's what you think, Oscar. And that's what you represent. All those people have laughed and Somebody's using their acting chops. Looks like we're back on the set of Pitch Perfect because somebody's going for, for, for an Oscar. Look at her. She's got tears in her eyes and everything. She thinks that Oscar thinks that she's not pretty. Actually, I mean, you know, clearly, and, and it's a great promo. I love that Lana is. So what I love about the Lana character is that she will go on Raw and talk about how she deserves what she deserves a lot because of her social media following and how important that is. And But at the same time, use that social media following that she's got to further the character, right? I love that, I, I, I love when people further storylines and characters on their social media. It's like, I don't know, I, I guess people have social media to, I don't know, let their fans know what's going on in their real lives. I mean, who cares? Who cares? Use it for business, you know what I mean? Use it to get people excited about your match. All of a sudden, there's a story with this Asuka Lana match. And I think this is a story that WWE intended to tell. But you never know if you're actually going to get that story out there with WWE. You never know uh, if you can count on WWE to fully deliver on that story that is in your head that you know is what's being told just because there's 100 stories to tell every night. So the fact that Lana went out and did this video, I think is a very good thing. And I don't know if we were talking about it on last week's podcast or on the Patreon podcast, but I was saying that on last week's Raw, on the draft episode of Raw, when they did the number one contenders battle royal, the whole story was told through the commentary. When Lana won that match, the story that the commentators told was not, and she knocked out Natty Neidhart's tooth, by the way. So that team's been separated. Natalia's going over to SmackDown. Lana stays on Raw. So we're not doing the Lana-Natalia thing anymore. Clearly, 
they want to see if they've got something with Lana. There are rumors about Eva Marie coming back to WWE. I think a Lana Eva Marie tag team could be tremendous. You know, I think the two of them just talk about nuclear heat and trust me, I know nuclear heat. I think the two of them together could be tremendous as uh bad guys. But um the whole story was told in that commentary and this is this is that promo. This the commentaries uh, uh, commentators instead of saying, "Hey, Lana, that was so smart. She was hiding under the ring the whole time. Oh, Lana, you know, the ever conniving Lana, the always planning Lana, always got something up her sleeve, Lana. That's not what they said. Instead, they said, we forgot about Lana. Oh, everybody forgot that Lana was in this match. So it's not even like she was doing it all on purpose. It was like, you forgot about me. And that's why I'm in the position that I'm in. You forgot about me. And now I'm going to make you pay. And I think that that's a real strong story. That Lana's greatest strength. There's a quote, and I live by this quote. This quote is written on the wall. In the Count of Monte Cristo, they take the man who will become the Count and they steal his life from him. And they lock him up in prison and they just forget he ever existed. They go, we'll lock him up He won't be our problem anymore. And you know what happens? When nobody's paying attention to him, when everybody's ignoring him, he's sitting there and he's learning. He meets an old man in prison and he digs so that they can go in between each other's cells. And the old man teaches him all kinds of stuff. He he gives him all the knowledge in the world. He also teaches him how to be the greatest sword fighter that you've ever seen and because he's locked up for years, because he's locked up for years in that jail. He's able to become a better sword fighter than anyone's ever seen. And guess what? Nobody even knows how good he is because they forgot about him, because they locked him up in there. So when he finally escapes and he finally gets out, nobody knows, nobody realizes what this man has become, except he knows. And you know what is written on the wall in that cell? Neglect becomes our ally. I would tattoo that quote on my chest. Neglect becomes our ally. This is the story that this Lana character should be telling. While you were all not paying attention to me, while you were all paying attention to Bailey and Sasha, while you were all paying attention to Asuka, while you were all paying attention to Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax and and Lacey Evans, I was getting better. While you were all paying attention to Natalia, I was learning and I was working and I was getting better and better and better. Neglect became my ally. And that's what happened in that battle royal. You forgot I existed. And it led to me becoming the number one contender. Asuka, neglect became my ally. You sit there and you don't take me seriously now. The fans don't take me seriously. They ignore me. Monday Night Raw is a couple of days away. It's one day away at the time of this promo. And people are looking at this match going, why bother? Lana doesn't have a chance. They're ignoring that this match is even happening. Well, guess what? Neglect becomes our ally. And that, that 
is the story of Lana. She's the Count of Monte Cristo. And there have been many Count of Monte Cristos. I'm the Count of Monte Cristo. It's the greatest story ever. But that's Lana. That's Lana in a nutshell. And if that's the story that's being told, I think it's a great story to be told. And Lana pushing it forward in that promo, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I love it. We're uh, about a week away from Hell in a Cell. And I'm assuming that we're going to get more matches added on Monday and Friday. Because right now, at the time this podcast comes out, we're six days away from this pay-per-view. And I believe the only thing that's been announced for Hell in a Cell are the three cell matches. Three cell matches is a lot. Three cell matches is a lot to keep interesting. Um, you know, I, I think... I think Drew and Randy are probably going to have the hardest time with it. Right now, what we've, what we've had announced for Hell in a Cell is Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against Jey Uso. It's a Hell in a Cell I quit match. Um, he says that this match comes with higher stakes than any match has ever had in WWE history. We still don't know what that means. We'll either find out on SmackDown or maybe, and I would imagine Roman Reigns is going to win Hell in a Cell. But maybe after Roman wins, we realize this. I would, you know, I really like what's happening with Roman and Paul Heyman right now. It, it harkens back to an earlier time when storylines it was just story, 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 story. And it was happening and it was boom, boom, boom. And you couldn't, you never knew what was going to happen next because everything was happening so fast. Um, like a month ago, you wouldn't have ever said Jay Uso is going to be a main event guy. But Jay Uso, and there are some people still out there going like, well, why are they having Jay Uso in this match? This is so stupid. We know that Roman Reigns is going to win. Why have Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso when we already know Roman is going to win? Because you novice at storytelling. Jey Uso is the perfect foil for Roman Reigns. No superstar can display the character evolution of Roman Reigns the way Jey Uso can. How better to display that Roman Reigns is obsessed with being at the head of the table than by showing that he cares more about providing for his family than he does for his own family. You see, Roman Reigns as a character sees what he's doing as a positive. He sees what he's doing as a good thing because he's providing for his family. But the reality is what makes his character a villain is that he's not obsessed with providing for his family. He's obsessed with being the provider for his family. Being obsessed with providing for your family is a noble cause. That being your obsession means that you will stop at nothing to make sure that your family has everything that they need. Being obsessed with being the provider for your family means that you will stop at nothing to make sure that your family has everything they need. But more importantly, you will stop at nothing to make sure that you are the person who is providing it. 
Because in your mind, you are the only person who can provide your family what they need. And that is the magic of the Roman Reigns character. That is what makes this character so interesting and so unique. And Jay Uso is the perfect person to bring that out in Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is not sitting here trying to see a member of his family who hasn't gotten to taste that gold get to taste that gold because Roman Reigns sees himself as above his family. While he's being noble by providing for them, he doesn't believe that anybody else in his family is capable of providing for the family the way he is. He sees himself as above his family, which is not a noble trait. It's an egotistical trait. True or false, it's an egotistical, toxic trait. It's the stuff that great supervillains are made of. <clears throat> I would like to see, because I feel like that story allows us to be fully invested in the match. I think people are more invested in Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns now than even a month ago. I think people are more interested in the Hell in a Cell than they were the first Roman Reigns Jey Uso match. I don't think you need to reveal what higher stakes than any match has ever had in WWE history means until the pay-per-view. I think that you reveal after Roman Reigns wins the match is to me when the big reveal comes. Roman Reigns wins and then boom, you realize that Jay thought it was bad that he lost the match, but now this is what he really lost. I I would love to see Jimmy turn on Jay and go with Roman. I would love to see Jimmy Uso in that match tell Jay, look, it's all love. You're my brother. But this is the guy who's providing for our family. You are not that guy, Jay. You are not that guy. And if you're going to keep challenging the tribal chief, you're going to have to go through me. Jay's like, what? You're my brother. And Jimmy's like, yep, but our family needs him more than they need you. And I don't know if that's the stake. Like you realize that, oh my God, he's, his, he's lost his brother because he lost this match. You know, I think that that's the way to go. And I don't think you reveal that until the match is over. Because to go on SmackDown and announce, and if Jey Uso doesn't win, Jimmy's not going to be his brother anymore. It's like, what are we, seven? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. But if you go to the pay-per-view and Jimmy makes sure that Jay doesn't win, and then Jimmy is standing next to Roman and Jimmy realizes he's lost his brother. Well, now, now you've got some high stakes. And who knew the whole time? The Machiavellian devil himself, Paul Heyman. Of course Paul Heyman knew. Paul Heyman had a conversation with Jimmy. Look, Jimmy, I care about your family. I knew this. I knew the, I knew you, you, you I, the, I knew Offensica. Roman's dad. I knew your dad. I want to see your family provided for. It's not going to happen if Jay is the champion. If Jay is the champion, Roman 
can't provide for his family, your family, the way he has been because he's not the man anymore. And Jay will never be the champion that Roman is. So come on, Jimmy. What's more important, your brother or your family? That's an easy choice for Jimmy to make. Well, my brother is one man. He's my brother, but he's one man. The family is the unit. Jay, you got to get behind this because Jimmy is. And boom, there's your high stakes. Your brother. You lost your brother because you would. And and if Jay, if Jay Uso had just said, Roman, you're the tribal chief, you're the man, I'm not going to challenge you. Jimmy wouldn't have had to step in. Jimmy and Jay would be on the same page. But now, now he's not welcome. And maybe we'll see the continuation of, of more of the Inawaii family entering into the WWE. Maybe we won't. I don't know. I don't know. But I just feel like that's that's what I want to see. This story is so good. This version of Roman Reigns, there's so much meat on this bone that I feel like if this reveal came at that pay-per-view, we're now digging deep into some old-school storytelling. We're not doing the conventional wrestling, set up the stip, preview it, go to the pay-per-view, pay it off, go to TV. Like, you know what I mean? That 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 sort of step-by-step, paint-by-numbers thing that we all see coming. This is different. This is real life. This is family. So I'm really looking forward to that match. I think Sasha Banks and Bailey are going to do everything they can to tear the house down. I feel like we're not going to see this match at WrestleMania. I think that I had a plan that involved Bailey getting drafted to Raw and the SmackDown Women's Championship being held up. But that would start, this match to me was going to happen anyway. You know, um, because you can have inter-promotional matches on the first pay-per-view after the draft, just to tidy things up. I was going to have Bailey win by cheating, and then the title is now up in the air, and, and, and we go from there. You all heard me. If you didn't, you can go back to the draft podcast and listen to it. Um, but now I feel like, I feel like Sasha's got to win this one. You know, I, I think that this is what we've been building towards. This is the big one. And and Sasha's going to win it. And, uh, you know, I feel like maybe we go to Sasha versus Asuka if they're doing champion versus champion at Survivor Series, which I don't think they should do champion versus champion at Survivor Series. But if that's what's happening, that's what's happening. Uh, and maybe we move on. But, I yeah, I, I, I guess you could have a rematch. But I, I feel like... At that point, maybe Bailey focuses on another competitor on SmackDown. I feel like part of the point of the draft is to mix things up. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that they're going to do everything they can to make this match steal the show, to make it so that this match, and I don't know if you'll ever be able to do it. I would have to imagine that if Sasha and Bailey are half the competitors that I believe they are, that they want nothing more than to one-up their performance at TakeOver Brooklyn 1 all those years ago. A revolutionary match in women's wrestling. Sasha Banks versus Bailey. They stole the show on a night where Kevin Owens and Finn Balor in a... Kevin Owens and Demon Finn Balor in a ladder match, world title match, were headlining. 
and Sasha and Bailey were the ones that stole the show. I think that that is what they're going to try to beat. Can they? Can they? Yes, they can. Will they? It remains to be seen. You know, will they have the magic? You know, that's not. It has nothing to do with them as performers. Will the fates align? You know, I mean, if I know Sasha and Bailey, I believe Sasha and Bailey want to have a Mysterio Guerrero Halloween Havoc '97 level match. Will they? We'll see. But that's what they're going to be going for, which is why I think that your third Hell in a Cell match, WWE Championship, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton, uh, I think that that's that's the match that's probably going to uh, suffer from there being so many Hell in a Cell matches. Um, If I'm doing this show, I think you have to close with Roman versus Jay. So since you have to close with Roman versus Jay, I think, I think, I think you open with Bailey versus Sasha. And the reason, and that's a tough call, man. That's a real tough call. But the reason, I, I think that Roman has to close every show. This version of Roman Reigns has to close every show. I could argue any of those three ending. And that's possibly because of the way I see the Drew McIntyre-Randy Orton match going in my head. Here's what I would pitch if I were in that writer's room. This week, we get to a place where we get to the bottom of The Miz and Otis, and we have an interpromotional match. We have a match at Hell in a Cell where the briefcase is on the line. At the pay-per-view, it's Otis versus The Miz, briefcase on the line. We open the show with Bailey versus Sasha, Hell in a Cell. Boom, boom, boom. Great match. Sasha Banks wins. Next match is Otis versus Miz. Boom, boom, boom. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Miz wins. We go through the night a little bit. If you think you can pull it off, I would love to have the WWE Championship match and the Universal Championship match as your two last matches of the show. Because what I would do is I would have Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton, Hell in a Cell. I would have it be a brutal match. I would have that match take everything out of both guys. I mean, you know how much punishment it took Randy Orton to lose that ambulance match. You know how much how much punishment it would take Drew McIntyre to lose a match like this. He doesn't lose matches. So I would have Drew McIntyre beat Randy Orton, but have it take every ounce of anything that Drew McIntyre has in his body to win that match. Then, I came to play, or I came to win, whatever. I think it's I came to play. Yeah, I came to play, best get out of my way. Miz comes out, as Drew McIntyre can barely stand. Miz comes out with the briefcase. He's holding the briefcase. Drew, even though he's just been through hell, gets up. Before the Miz hits the ring, boom! Morrison, back of the skull with a solid steel chair. As that the cage is coming up, I came to play! Is playing across the PAs. As Drew McIntyre is kind of, sort of starting to ready himself, Morrison lays him out with a chair. There's no match going on, so there's not going to be any disqualification. 
The cage has already been lifted. McIntyre gets laid out with a chair. Miz runs in. He's still in his gear from beating Otis. He throws the ref the briefcase. Drew's getting up. He's wobbly. He's on his feet. Hooks one arm. Hooks the other arm. Boom! Skull crushing finale. That's your three count. The Miz leaves Helena Cell, the WWE champion, after everything that's happened. After Drew McIntyre going through Brock Lesnar and the Big Show in one night, telling the story ad nauseum. How many times have we heard it? Did you know I was fired? Yes, we know you were fired. The little engine that could going through the Indies, hitting the UK Indies, hitting PWG, hitting Impact, becoming a new athlete, getting back, never getting a title match, having won one of the best Royal Rumble matches of all time, then going through Ziegler, then going through hell with Randy Orton. Only for the Miz. Conniving, evil Miz. To show up, cash in the briefcase, and win the WWE Championship again. Ten years ago, the Miz defended that title against John Cena at WrestleMania 27. Now... The Miz is the WWE champion. So now, now, if you're looking at my Hell in a Cell, uh, a quote-unquote, a booking, we leave Hell in a Cell thinking, I gotta watch Monday because the Miz is coming out as WWE champion on Monday. And what is, how mad, how upset, how furious is Drew McIntyre gonna be? How the hell is WWE owner Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce going to control Drew McIntyre? And I got to watch SmackDown. Jimmy Uso turned on Jey Uso and is aligning with the Tribal Chief. Where are we going from here? You've now left the pay-per-view with two great storylines. And you had payoffs, but you also left us wanting more on those TVs on Monday and Friday. I think something WWE absolutely has to do. They have this incredible talent right now. You look up and down that roster, and the matches that the WWE superstars of today are capable of having, outrageous, outrageous quality matches. Now, leave the matches to them. It's time for the the brains of the WWE to sit down and there should be an edict. There should be a big banner backstage at the at the Thunderdome that says put story first. Put story first. Let the guys have their matches. Let the superstars be superstars. Don't worry about making sure that there are great matches every week. The roster that you have now, you have almost no choice. You're going to have great matches. What we need to do is not focus on those great matches because the athletes are going to make sure they have good matches. What we need to do is brains is put story 
first. Because too often, WWE doesn't do that. They go, wow, this pay-per-view is going to be great because you're going to have all these good matches. Okay. But what are people going to leave talking about? Oh, can you believe that this happened? And can you believe that that happened? When we go through history, man, there are a handful of matches that we talk about, but we talk about those matches in a vacuum. Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, it exists in a vacuum. Rock and Hogan, it exists in a vacuum. But when when we start talking about real history, when we start telling full narratives of what happened, we talk about WrestleMania five, and we talk about the story that built to Hogan versus Macho Man. We talk about The Undertaker. And while, yes, like when you're with wrestling fans, you can sit there and talk about The Undertaker versus Sean and how great those matches were. But when you're with anyone in your life, when you're with your wife who doesn't watch wrestling, when you're with your buddy who hasn't watched in years, you can sit there and you can talk about The Undertaker and Kane and Paul Bearer. And that's the story that brought everyone together, that sucked everyone in. And right now, yeah, you could talk about guys that can have great matches. But like, the one thing that I can talk about with a non-wrestling fan on WWE TV today, Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and Jey Uso. Because their story is first. And they're having amazing matches because you have Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. They're incredible. Now, now it's time for the story. And boy, do they deliver on that front. Everybody needs to. Everybody. Speaking of story delivering, you know, there was a rumor jumping around this week that uh, Daniel Bryan doesn't want to be a full-time uh, superstar anymore, uh, which I don't know if it's true or not. It was just a rumor on the internet. But um, if that were true, I think that it is incumbent on the WWE to, uh, I don't know if incumbent is the word, but it's important that WWE just do whatever Daniel Bryan wants, quite frankly. Look, here's the thing. Daniel Bryan delivers on every level. Daniel Bryan delivers uh, as a uh, uh, as an in-ring guy, as a guy who has excellent matches. He plays a baby face. I mean, look, this guy plays a baby face. And he's the top good guy in the company. When you want Daniel Bryan to be a good guy, he's literally the most popular superstar in the company, whether you want him to be or not. He can't help but be the best at being a good guy. You want him to be a bad guy? He's going to be the top bad guy in the company. He's going to be your guy that you tell the fairy tales about. When it's time for Kofi to have his moment, we need Daniel, Daniel Bryan to be a bad guy because he could pull off literally any role. You want him to do a promo that people will believe? He'll cut the promo. You want him to have a match where people will believe that it's a real fight? He'll do that. You want him to grapple with Drew Gulak? He'll do that. You want him to just be a dude who can do commentary or can host Talking Smack? Okay, he can do that. And from what I hear, the guy can contribute creatively. Like, it's nobody's business. Some people are born for specific industries. Daniel Bryan was born to be a part of the wrestling industry. Daniel Bryan was born to contribute to wrestling. 
He married a wrestler, for God's sake, even in his family. His children are the result of two wrestlers combining DNA. I don't want to get any more specific than that. I want to keep it respectful. But come on. You know why he wants to live in a tiny house? You know why he wants to live a minimalistic life? Because wrestling takes care of everything else. Family and wrestling. It's all Daniel Bryan needs. And when you got somebody like that that's talented on the level of Daniel Bryan and keeps getting better and, 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 and coming up, learning new skill sets, you give him whatever he wants. If Daniel Bryan only wants to wrestle once a year, I'll bet you you'll have your best match every year with him. Whatever he wants. You know, he came back to the Thunderdome uh, this week on SmackDown. And all I could think was Seth Rollins comes out and I'm going, okay, we saw two things. We saw Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan share a ring. Then we saw Seth Rollins share a ring with Ray and Dominic and Murphy again. Dude, don't tease me with Daniel Bryan versus Seth Rollins. What? Daniel Bryan versus Seth Rollins. That sounds like the... Can you imagine if SmackDown, the show on Fox on Friday nights, can you imagine if they had Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman over here doing some of the best stuff ever? And then they also had a rivalry going between Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan? It would be out of this world. Here's what you do. You continue the story. Now you transition out, out of Seth Rollins and the Mysterio family and Buddy Murphy. It's over. I don't want to see Murphy versus Rollins because Murphy's not beating Rollins, nor should he. Rollins is a main event guy. Dominic's not beating Rollins, that's for sure. So we've seen everything we could possibly see out of this, right? I think that it is also important for Dominic to start establishing himself outside of Ray. Uh, I am 100% all for Murphy and Dominic to branch out and do their own thing. I love the idea of, you know, I mean, like I said, I love multiple stories happening all at once. Why don't you have Baron Corbin do something hideous to Rey Mysterio? Meanwhile, Murphy is dating Aaliyah Mysterio, and he's turned Aaliyah against the Mysterio family. Murphy's a heel, but not with Rollins by himself. Separately. And then you have Dominic go, Dad, you need to go take care of Baron Corbin. Don't worry, I got Murphy. And now you've got the Mysterios who are still linked and are acknowledging that thing, but you've got two separate stories going on. You got Rey Mysterio over here getting his ass kicked by Baron Corbin, and on a, which has to do with a totally different story over here because Baron Corbin's just a dick and he's beating up Rey Mysterio. And... Dominic doesn't have time to help out his dad because Dominic's got to be over here fighting for the honor of his sister who's been brainwashed by Murphy. Murphy doesn't care about Ray because Murphy's got to deal with Dominic. And Ray isn't worried about Dominic because 
he's now getting picked on by people that are his own size. And Ray's over here dealing with Baron Corbin. So now you've got everybody in you got Murphy and Dominic both in a position where they could have 10 star matches with each other. They could be crazy athletic. They could be doing all the spots that you want to see. And, and through a series of matches, they could elevate each other organically. Dominic and Murphy are not main event level players right now today. They could be, but they're not today. And they're not going to get there by being next to people that are the most established main event players ever. Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. Seth Rollins, has, he tore Rey Mysterio's eye out. It's over. So, keep the Aaliyah thing going. I like the Aaliyah thing. I think is a very good performer. Keep the Aaliyah thing going. I, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that soap opera part. That's the story element that I'm still interested in. But I don't need Rollins or Rey for that. You know, I want, I, this is the story that I want. Murphy's dating Aaliyah. Dominic sees something that Aaliyah doesn't see. And we don't see as an audience. We think Dominic is turning heel because Dominic is becoming Tony Montana and Murphy is M Manolo. That's his name, right? Manolo. Murphy is Tony Montana's best friend dating Tony's sister. We were going to tell you we're getting married, Tony. But then we find out that Dominic was right the whole time. Through a series of unfortunate incidents, we get to a match where we feel like Dominic is going to be the heel here and Murphy's the hero because he's getting accused of this by a jealous brother. We find out the brother's not jealous at all, that he was right, Murphy has brainwashed Aaliyah, and Aaliyah just, boom, hits Dominic with a low blow. And now we've got Murphy and Aaliyah as heels and Dominic as the babyface who now wants revenge against his sister's evil boyfriend. Rollins and Daniel Bryan are too busy chopping it up with amazing promos leading to even better matches. And Baron Corbin is being the ultimate heel by picking on the ultimate babyface, Rey Mysterio. Come on, I figured it out. Is that so tough? Was that so tough? You know how I figured it out? I put story first. It's the way to do it. It's the way to do it every time is to put story first. You know, and then you're looking at a SmackDown that has Roman and all the Samoan stuff happening. You're looking at Rollins and Daniel Bryan. You're looking at Corbin and Rey Mysterio. You're looking at Murphy and Dominic. Aaliyah's with Murphy. And you know what you've got just there? Then don't even get me into the women's division. You've still got so much more that I can do here on SmackDown. And you know what you're left with? You're left with a roster where nobody's sitting there going, oh man, how did we lose The Fiend and Alexa Bliss? In all those stories that I just told you, you didn't even think about the fact that SmackDown lost The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. The Fiend and Alexa Bliss were the second best act on SmackDown. But guess what we did? We made up for the fact that they're going to be absent by putting story first with all of these other athletes, superstars. 
And then we can turn our focus over to Raw, where The Fiend is hunting Randy Orton. Drew McIntyre, because The Fiend's obviously a babyface, right? We know that by now. Drew McIntyre is trying to get his title back from The Miz, but he can't do it. And I don't know. I, 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 I'll go through Raw maybe next week. I'll help you book Raw next week. I feel like I did enough with SmackDown. That covers the topical stuff. If you want to hear my opinions on, on stuff that's slightly less topical, but still equally, if not more, entertaining, get your ass on that WWE Network. Thursday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. The debut of Not Sam Wrestling. I am so excited. Um, if you haven't already, sign up. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. We will be having an after party. Every Thursday, Thursday Not Sam Thursday comes out exclusively for the Not Sam shows on Patreon. So not only do you get podcasts early and do you get them ad-free, but you get an additional podcast. And that's every tier. You sign up to Not Sam Wrestling, Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, and you're paying less than a dollar a week. And for less than a dollar a week, you're getting access to the Discord room, you're getting the podcast early, you're getting it ad-free, and you're getting an additional exclusive podcast Thursday, not Sam Thursday. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that you get as you go up in tiers, but that is all basic tier. And now that we have Thursday, Thursday morning, not Sam Wrestling on WWE Network, Thursday, not Sam Thursday is going to be that after party. And we'll be able to talk about everything that's discussed on the WWE Network. I would sign up now. I think it's a good idea. But let's be honest. All I have are good ideas, right? I think so. We'll see you next week here on Not Sam Wrestling, actually Thursday on the WWE Network. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.